superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Bears and Bucks, keep an eye on that. Does Brady specifically want to beat them on fourth down? The Rich Eisen Show. I actually think he'll probably score four touchdowns. Touchdown, Chris Godwin. Touchdown, Mike Evans. Touchdown, Mike Evans. Touchdown, Mike Evans. Has three today. Fire the cannons. Where are you? Today's guests. Co-host of Good Morning Football, Peter Schrager. Seahawks linebacker, Bobby Wagner. Saints linebacker to Mario Davis, plus your phone calls and more. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Our number two of the Rich Eisen Show is on the air. 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. Lots going on in the world today in the NFL. Matt Nagy is tested positive for COVID-19. The Chicago Bears head coach needs two negative tests in a row to try and coach against the San Francisco 49ers who lost last night coming off of a bye Head coach Kyle Shanahan, when asked if Jimmy G is going to be the starter, says, I guess so, which is uh, from a guy who once upon a time famously said we could all be dead by next Sunday. You know, I mean, that's it's an, an interesting way to put it, um, which it sounds like a coach who's like, you know, you're asking me right now. I'm 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 drenched from the rain. Uh, I'm inundated with all these thoughts about what the hell's happened to our team. And you're asking me who's starting next week. I'll look at the film. I'll see who's healthy, which to me sounds like I need to see if it's really Jimmy G's entire fault, as I really feel it is, by saying I guess so, or I don't know what Trey Lance's knee is like. And then Deshaun Watson's on the market. Matt Rule just chimed in about how he said that replacing Sam Darnold was was the right move, and that was a wrap in that game. And of all places for him, the bench's quarterback is in his old spot where he used to play with the Jets. Four-game losing streak for the Panthers. He reiterates that Sam Darnold will start again for the oh, Panthers. He's reiterated he's the starter. When asked about the Deshaun Watson rumors, we're gonna we're chasing this soundbite down because this all happened. I just saw it on my uh, my email from uh, the NFL media group that just happened. Uh, he was asked about uh, the Deshaun Watson trade. I know there's a report out there. You guys know that wasn't from me. I have nothing to add to that. He reminds everyone that he can't talk about a player from another team that's under contract. Quote, what our team doesn't need today is a distracted coach. End quote. Here to talk about all of this is our friend from Good Morning Football, and he also dabbles with Fox Sports as well. Our friend Peter Schrager is back here on the show. How are you, Peter? Hey, Rich. I'm doing great. Happy Monday. Happy Monday to you. What's the deal with the Deshaun Watson trade as you know it? As we're all sitting here right now uh, on this uh, this week seven Monday, what do you have for me? All on right, that? so Deshaun Deshaun Watson still has not been suspended. There still has not been put on the exempt list. I can assure you that the NFL's league office has been investigating this inside and out. And short of any uh, new whistleblower or anything new evidence wise, I don't think he's going to be suspended in the next eight days, not going to be put on the exemption list in the next eight days, meaning technically if he was traded tomorrow, he could play on Sunday. The question is, is there a team that has the appetite to take on the unknown? So 
Miami has long been the rumored team, not because of Houston's desire to trade him there, not because of Miami sending out leaks uh, to the media saying as much. They've been the long rumored team because apparently Watson has a no trade clause, and that is a destination that he would look fondly upon. Carolina was thrown into the mix yesterday, I believe. Mike Florio at NBC Sports was the first to put it out there. I think Jay Glazer mentioned it as well. And now we're going to follow suit and say we've heard rumors of that. But that goes all the way back before the 22 civil lawsuits that Carolina was in the mix. I just don't know if any team, any team at all, Rich, has the appetite to take this on, knowing what that comes with PR-wise, what that comes with morally, without this thing being a closed case, and knowing that there could be some actual cases that work themselves out in courtrooms in the coming months. I don't know if he is a tradable player, even if the the ask from Houston, which originally I could confirm was three first-round picks and three additional assets, has lessened as we inch closer to the trade deadline on Tuesday. Yes, yeah, there's too much risk. There's way too much risk. I mean, for you to then buy the, the uh, off-season material – and that's now in your lap. I, I, that's the thing that kind of surprises me, uh, that there is so much there there and being discussed. you know. Um, but the Dolphins might be desperate. They're a one-win team. And yeah. they might have already evaluated Tua over 11 games or whatever, how many starts it is, and say this is definitely not the guy. Oops. you know. And they're, they're trying to fix that. I, I, maybe that's it. Maybe desperation will outweigh the risks, Peter. Yeah, and... And they don't have a first-round pick this year, so they're one of the worst teams in the league. But when they traded up from 12 to 6, they gave the Eagles their first-round pick. Um, that, that right there is, is making it even more interesting that, hey, if we can get Watson, we're not going to get one of the top picks in the draft. We might as well go and do this. I think another piece to this, and this comes from a team that does not need a quarterback. It comes from a GM that I really respect and bounce a lot of ideas off of. So do you make a Watson deal now? with all this unknown looming in an off season where Rogers and Wilson could be had for maybe a similar amount of picks or maybe even less due to their age or whatever it is. And maybe their desire for a destiny, like Miami and Carolina and Denver, those are historically good markets with good fan bases and places you want to play. This isn't like going to some place where they don't win every 20 years. These are good teams and good organizations, if those are the three suitors for Watson, do those teams just hang on tight, get to the offseason, and then make a real push for Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, or if you're Philadelphia, do you package all those picks together and do something in the draft? Like, whatever it is, um, this might not be the ideal crop of offseason college quarterbacks, but if you're talking veteran quarterbacks that could be on the market, Watson might not even be in the top three come March. Peter Schrager here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's the scene in San Francisco like right now? Is there really a hot seat for Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, Peter? I don't think there's a hot seat. I will tell you that it is a tense situation. That's the word I would use. Um, The last year was kind of written off because of the injuries. Fan base, very demanding, doesn't want to hear it. And then you look at what they gave up to get Trey Lance. If they had sat at 12, which was their original pick, before they did all the maneuvering and traded up, Mac Jones might have been sitting there and they would have two first-round picks the next two years. Now, this is a, a 2020 hindsight thing that we can do and we can play 
Monday morning quarterback after the draft. But remember, that, that Friday morning after the draft, everyone was patting him on the back for being so aggressive and going and get Trey Lance. That said, anyone who has realistic expectations for a kid who played 17 games in college at that level knew that he wasn't going to come in and immediately be the starting quarterback and take this team by storm. So I think patience has to be that they preach, but two and four is unacceptable for a team that was in the Super Bowl two years ago, and there have been so many expectations for this team to bounce back now that players got healthy. Um, their corners last night, Rich, were – Drake Kirkpatrick and Josh Norman, who have had very good NFL careers and will have very good luck. For that to be the cornerback situation and see Michael Pittman jumping all over them and, and having that success that Carson Wentz did on that defense, which was supposed to be the hallmark of this unit, went a long way. I think Alan Chris hit it really good um, when they went deep into the DeForest Buckner situation and Michelle Tafoya had what was, to me, an explosive quote. Buckner was shocked that they traded him because they had Armstead, Buckner, and Bosa. That could have gotten you – a few wins in herself, they traded away Buckner, and Buckner's team got the better of them. There's a lot of frustration amongst the fan base because outside of that Super Bowl year, uh, Kyle Shanahan has a losing record, and even with that Super Bowl year, there have been a lot of excuses made, um, but not a lot of uh, uh, actual big wins outside of that one campaign. So who's building the roster there? Is it him? I mean, does he have, does he have that sort of control within the, the organization in San Francisco? I think with I think, obviously, John Lynch is the general manager, and Parag Marathi is going to handle the side of that. So Kyle Shanahan's got a very influential voice. And when it comes to quarterback, that's Shanahan's pick right there, Trey Lance. Now, I know John loved meeting with with Lance up in North Dakota, and they were were on the same page on that. But after doing all that work, it was going to be in Kyle Shanahan's hands as far as whether it was Matt Jones, whether it was him, whether it was Justin Fields in the draft. I would also add that last year's first-round pick – Brandon Ayuk, after the draft, Kyle Shanahan came out and said that they had Ayuk number one on their draft board in a draft that had Justin Jefferson and Jalen Rager and Henry Ruggs and and Judy. And he was like, no, no, this is our guy. We wanted Ayuk. Ayuk has been invisible. And yesterday, if it wasn't for, uh, you know, the punt being fortunately a touchback, that might have been one of the biggest mistakes of the game last night. So when you look at those picks, Ayuk and Lance and Trey Sermon, who hasn't gotten going, I would think that Kyle Shanahan is a very, very large voice in the room as far as offensive players taken in those early rounds. Yeah, and, and that's that's that I think is the mix here, Peter, that's got a lot of people wondering if there's a hot seat. I don't think there is. I don't think there's an appetite by management to, to bounce him uh, or even think about bouncing him or go in a direction of bouncing him because he would just bounce to another spot. And plus they're only one game out of the playoffs as they're currently sitting right now in the longest regular season ever. But the question is uh, that it is a remarkable development that here they had the position and even Shanahan mentioned it and and was kind of, uh, you know, touting it, that they had a veteran that the locker room loved that took the team to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. So they had the cover of drafting somebody this high and letting him develop while sprinkling him in. And now we're in the position of how, how fast can he get back? Because Jimmy G is not the guy moving forward for a two and four team that we're wondering about player development, right? Ayuk is totally regressed. Like, we're wondering, like, is this the guy to develop anybody? Or what is his, what is his um, you know, mindset in developing players? That's the question right now. Um, I can't believe we're in that position, to be very honest with you. No, it's, with a, it's a conundrum because they also, like I mentioned, uh, you know, when you have Josh Norman as your number one corner, on the other side of the ball, you're an aging unit that hasn't necessarily filled in in the defensive backfield. 
in a in a problem area for this team for quite some time. Um, I, I find it interesting because we we throw around the genius label with McVay, we throw around the genius label with Shanahan. There are some old school coaches and old school defensive coordinators around the, the league who love nothing more than seeing these young offensive geniuses, quote unquote, be humbled and be be in the in the crux of it. And right now, I think a lot of people. Um, are taking a lot of, not joy, but there's some snickering going on with, okay, well, everyone thinks Kyle Shanahan is such a genius and all that, and you guys in the media, and they point to me a lot of times, you guys in the media, you crown these young offensive whiz kids, but gosh, doesn't look like they're so smart at the moment. So, uh, you know, there's going to be a great what if, and it's what if, and we'll know five years from now if Trey Lance is great or not, but like what if they just sat pretty and, in, if they took Mac Jones, or what if they traded up to the, to the three pick or the four pick with what they did this year, um, and they took a Kyle Pitts, or they took a Jamar Chase, or they took a different player than having to trade all that draft capital, the 12th pick the, and two more first-round picks for Trey Lance, who might not even be better than Mac Jones, who would have been sitting there. Peter Schrager of Good Morning Football, NFL Network, Fox Sports, so much more right here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's the Chiefs out where, where do they go from here? Because, you know, you mentioned there are some other coaches, old school coaches around the league are like, ah, we love uh, showing that the emperors and uh, the, the offensive guru emperors have no clothes on in San Francisco, et cetera. Uh, but Andy Reid is an old school guy, and now this offense can't move the ball worth a lick, can't hold on to it, and definitely can't stop it. So what's the Chiefs out? From here on out. Yesterday, yesterday looked really alarming, Rich, because they really did not look like they had any juice or any mojo. I think uh, if you watch the NFL as close as you and I do, and we live and breathe it, and we love it so much, even if you're not a Chiefs fan, there's this feeling of excitement when they're on the television, uh, when it goes to them on the red zone. You know that there's going to be something special. It hasn't been there, and that that juice seems to be gone. And I think that's my question is was that a, a a fleeting thing that we just assumed would be here for a decade and is that in our rear view mirror right now Mahomes obviously is struggling but the entire team is struggling and there doesn't seem to be that same pizzazz doesn't seem to be that same energy and uh you know the titans all credit goes to them but i'm not sure the chiefs were beating any teams with the way they were playing yesterday and for the first time uh, in, in my time covering the game, and that's probably 15 years as, as close as people are wondering, okay, well, what's Andy doing Monday to Friday with this team because they're coming out flat week after week after week? So I think the Buccaneers smacked them in the mouth in that Super Bowl, and I think a lot of people just assume they would lick their wounds. But, Rich, we've been around the game too long, and it happens too often. That Super Bowl hangover, it could be real, and sometimes – these teams just don't snap out of it. Seattle, I'm still waiting for them to get back to the Super Bowl after that shocking loss to the Patriots, when I think a lot of us thought that the Seahawks would be with, in, the, in the Super Bowl for, for the next decade. It hasn't happened. So not to be too dramatic uh, after seven weeks and what you call the longest real season ever, which it is, but I don't know. There's not a lot of easy wins on that, on that schedule coming up. After the Giants game, it gets even harder for the Chiefs. And I'm not sure this is going to be such a, a no-brainer that we'll see them in January. So much to talk about here with you, Peter Schrager. So a few more minutes left with you. Let's let's talk about um, a team that is surprising everyone right now um, and, and an offensive guru um, at the head coach, the Cincinnati Bengals. How for real is this team, do you think, Peter? I think very, very real. Um, yeah, they beat the Texans, but they beat the Texans by 26 points, and that game was really – 
uh, a runaway once they got the lead. I love um, what Steve Kime did this offseason, the general manager, in that he very deliberately saw a need for this team. And I spoke with him at length over the offseason. I, I kind of came at it with a cynical view, and maybe I shouldn't have. I'm like, J.J. Watt, A.J. Green, like, is this retirement community or what is this? And we spoke uh, in August when I went there for our back-to-football um, stuff for the NFL Network, and Kime was like, no, we looked at each room, and we thought, can we get a little better here, a little better there, but also who's the leader in the locker room, who's the leader in that position group? So you go up and down the roster, I think, you know, Kyler's having its MVP year. I don't think it's any coincidence that Colt McCoy was added and has been a real good voice and sounding board for him. Matt Prater's the kicker now. They used to lose sleep over who was going to kick field goals and whether they were going to be able to hang on to me, and Prater's a veteran. You go right down that list, Rich, and it's, it's J.J. Watt, it's Chandler Jones, it's Rodney Hudson, it's A.J. Green. These are guys who have done it in the league. And, yes, Kyler is going to get the headlines, and DeAndre Hopkins is going to be special. He always is. But they are built as a team, top to bottom, with young stars bookended by veteran talent. And that was very deliberate by the front office. Kingsbury's doing a nice job, and Kyler's having an MVP candidacy. But what they did this offseason to add those, those voices that are really replacing – um, Larry Fitzgerald's voice, which was so omnipresent for the last 16 years. I think that is, there's a testament to that with how you build a roster. And, hey, when this happens, when this goes wrong, who is going to be that veteran voice that will lend mm. um, some wisdom and some I've been there before? J.J. Watt and A.J. Green have been really good players, too. It's not just what they do uh, in the room and the position groups. It's all been working out. And until Kyler gets hurt, and I knock on wood 100 times, they're going to be alive, and they're going to be as good as they've been all season long. I believe you. I'm, I'm with you. I mean, again, J.J. Uh, uh, Watt and A.J. Green and are, are in positions of, of not having to be the man after they were the man in their usual spot. Zach Ertz in his first game runs one in. Uh, I, I feel like we're in one of those cell phone commercials uh, where maybe I, I, I cut out. Uh, I said Bengals, not Cardinals. How for real are the Bengals? <laughs> It's all good. So I'm, so I'm an offensive guru. I know that. I know. So, but you know, so so is so is the Bengals head coach. You know, so uh, how for real are the Bengals, Peter? Can <laughs> we take two? Can we try that again? It's all good. Um, it's all good. It's all good. Gosh, yeah. Some egg on my face. Uh, no, Look, it's they, all good. They came in. They came into that that uh, that game and said, "CBS, um, interesting. Seventeen percent of the country got a you know." Four and one Bengals team versus a four and one, whatever the records were, only seventeen percent. I think that that, is a, that kind of gives you a litmus test on what the country was thinking about the Bengals beforehand. Most of the country got um, Chiefs, Titans nationally, and I don't think we're ever going to deal with that again this season with the Bengals. They're really fun. They're really good, and that game was up in the air. In the second half, they went into a place where they have been really bad the last few years. Lamar obviously has never lost to the Bengals. We talked about that all week long. And they smacked them around. They smacked them around. They put up 520 yards of offense in Baltimore, in the bank, where they don't lose. The Ravens very rarely lose regular season games there. Um, I think that was a testament to them, but also a kind of coming out party for the Bengals as a team on a national level saying, no more, you know, give us the third crew on CBS. Give us that number one crew. We're, mm -hmm. we're worthy of it. And if not that, Give us the number two crew. I think that stuff still matters. It still gives you a chance to see what kind of the networks and the league thinks of these teams. Um, we might not get many primetime games from the Bengals, but I do think we're going to start seeing Ian Eagle and Charles Davis and <laughs> maybe even Jim Nance and Tony Romo calling those games. Yeah, not, not, not next week because they're at the Jets. 
Um, and that's the way I want to finish. I'm serious. So what's the deal with Zach Wilson? Anything first blush there in New York City that you're hearing about? Yeah, not yeah. good. It's going to be a couple of weeks, I think. And I'm not a doctor, but uh, that MCL injury is real. And, you know, the Jets went, uh, went ahead and they threw him to the Wolves this season. And he's, he's eating it. He is eating it. And yesterday, Matt Judon got to him. And, you know, I, I see a team like Arizona and they've got Colt McCoy as the backup. And I see a team... Uh, like the yeah. Patriots, and they've got veteran backups. Yeah. You know, the Jets, they turned to Mike White Mike, yesterday. I, I, do, I, I mean, okay. I'm going to get, know, up, I'm gonna get the, upset. I, I know. I, I don't know either. There's, there's no other way to put it other than I don't know. Like, what, what are you thinking? But I have, just, a, I have a friend, Rich, who, diehard Jets fan, goes to all the home games, sure, but before the season, but, you know, bought tickets to this one, was like, this might be a down year for the Patriots. Drove up there. Drove up there yesterday. No, and it, it's not like he's some hero, but... There are Jets fans who are still going to road games. And, still, and it's like, at some point, it's like, these guys, this, that's a different generation. Like, this next generation of Jets fans, like guys your son's age and, and kids a little bit older, like, there might not be a generation of Jets fans if they continue to put this kind of product out there every single week because it goes from being like, oh, we're the lovable losers to just like, I, you know what, I got other things to do on Sunday than, than we'll watch our team lose 53 to 14. Great stuff as always, Peter. Thanks for the time. We'll see you on Good Morning Football. Let's do this again real soon. Thanks, brother. Really we appreciate absolutely it. Absolutely will. Thanks, Rich. That's Peter Schrager. I'm gonna I'm gonna at P Schrags on Twitter. I follow him. You should as well. I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my powder on that. I mean, Pete should know that your kids aren't Jets fans. <laughs> Sorry, am I piling on? They they are not Jets fans. They are Patriots fans. <laughs> because, and I'll just say this again, because had I when my 13-year-old was born in 2008 and my 10-year-old was born in 2011 and my 8-year-old was born in 2013, if I had insisted, you know, as I did for the Yankees over the Red Sox, it's not like I don't have a voice in my own household. Sure. <laughs> but, you know, had I placed my preemptory on football in addition to baseball or instead of baseball, to say we need to make these children Jets fans <laughs> because I root for the Jets, not Patriots fans because your mom roots for the Patriots and their whole, her whole family roots for the Patriots because I'm a Jet fan. You cannot root for the Patriots and Tom Brady while they're winning championships. You must be in my <laughs> boat of crap on the sea of poop <laughs> with dad. There would have been a phone call made to child services, child services to have them removed from my care. <laughs> so they are Patriots fans. And I will not, but it's my, my nephew. I know. My nephew Lee, Lee. My nephew yeah. Lee is my brother. My brother, smartest person I know. Wisest person I know. In my 52 years. <laughs> and also, I'm pleased to say, smartest guy in the room will not let you know he's the smartest guy in the room. Okay? My brother. He sits at home on Sundays after working his fingers to the bone, his tail to the bone, I mean his billable hours through the roof, okay? He works his ass off, and he spends his spare time watching the Jets. And it's his time. It's his son. He sits there. It's his son. That's it. It's what he's doing. He's going to sit there and watch the Jets. And his son, my nephew Lee, who takes in this show, Every day, I don't know if he's listening live. He's what out up, there Lee? on YouTube or whatever. What up, Lee, Lee, Lee what Rich hey, Eisen Lee. show intern. Yeah, what up, yeah. Okay. Uh, he is in that boat with him. He was the one who asked for a Tebow jersey for Hanukkah way back in the day. And I told him, I told him 
that if I got it for him, it would be nothing but an ironic Halloween costume for him the rest of his life. Got it for him. They're the ones who are living with this right now. Okay. That's late. I, I just, I'll give my thoughts later on. I don't know. Why would you direct me into this direction? Because <laughs> it's funny. Because <laughs> it's great. Shut up. We love this. Let's take a break. Bobby Wagner. Oh, okay. Bobby Wagner coming up later, or later being next. How about that? All right. You got me all. I mean, I'm sorry. I didn't want to spell it. Bobby Wagner, the Seahawks, coming up. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat, where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase. So all the guests were is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for twenty dollars off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side, helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature, quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Here on the Rich Eisen Show on Terrestrial Radio Network, 844-204-RICH is the number to dial. Does he need to go back? Very rarely will I come back on and tell the people on Terrestrial Radio that when we just had our Peacock and Sirius XM only segment, you missed nothing. Very rarely will I say that, but right now, you missed nothing. Poor Adam. At any rate. uh, He's playing a Monday Night Football tonight. And his Seattle Seahawks really need this dub, to say the least. The defense that is anchored by this man is going to – is needing this win tonight, too. To be very honest, he's a future Pro Football Hall of Famer. I can say that sort of stuff. Joining us on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line prior to taking on the Saints tonight is Bobby Wagner, the Seahawks. How are you, Bobby? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm uh, better for talking to you, and that is the truth, man. I, I love watching you play. You know that. I tell that to you all the time. Um, so I just want to ask, how are you a different player than when you first strolled into the NFL? How are you different? Bobby? Oh, man. Uh, I would say I'm a lot smarter, um, a lot wiser. Uh, I think I, when I first got into the league, I was moving so fast and trying to, you know, be everywhere. And, like, my technique and my footwork wasn't as crisp as it probably is now. 
Um, I've definitely grown as a leader, as a as a man, and so I would say those are probably the, the major differences. Because it's you know it's odd that you would say that because it does seem like you're fast and everywhere, <laughs> even now, even now, yeah, Bobby. I, you know, I just don't waste. I don't waste steps. I think when I was uh, when I was younger, I definitely wasted some steps. But uh, you know, now I, not every step counts for me for sure. So, uh, where do you where where are you guys in the season right now? Uh, what what would you rate your first third of the season so far, Bobby Wagner? Uh, I don't know if I have a rating, but I definitely feel like you know we're not where we want to be. Um, obviously, two and four is not where you know we planned on being this season. But you know, I think there was a lot of um, opportunity for growth and a lot of opportunity to to get better. And I think that's the the thing that you kind of focus on is just understanding that. Uh, you know, we have the players that can, can really make an impact and really change the season around, but it's up to us as players to, um, you know, execute out there on the field, which, I, you know, I'm confident that we could do that. Um, you know, for me and, and Russ, you know, we've been in this situation before, and so it's not something that's foreign to us. Obviously, you want to start in the – you want to put yourself in this hole, but, you know, it's, it's good when you have – history on getting out of it i mean you know speaking of a situation though that russ has not been in before it's with an earbud in his ear you know um coaching essentially as he did on sunday night football what's that like for you to uh be on the sideline and russ is on the sideline with you because the offense is out there without him what's that like yeah yeah it's definitely different you know um it's, it's amazing that he's gone this long without having to miss any games you know i think that that talks about how uh, how well he handles his body off the field. Even the the injury that he had, it was like a freak accident. It just, you know, hit his hand on somebody's helmet. And so, uh, you know, it's definitely a, a different feeling. But, you know, you see Russ engage. You see him still active mentally and taking mental reps. And, um, you know, he's still working out crazy. And so, you know, whenever that hand is ready to go, I, I definitely feel like he's going to be – he's going to pick up right where he left off. Do you think he'll be back sooner rather than later? I mean, what are you seeing so far behind the scenes that you can um, let us you know? On? You never put it anything past Russ. You know, if, if they say uh, four weeks, it could be two. If they say eight, it could be four. So, you know, Russ is constantly, uh, you know, defying the odds in, in many ways. So I definitely feel like, uh, you know, whenever he does it, it's going to be whatever clock that he had. Right. And then, you, you know, it's interesting. You said, you know, Russ and I, we've been in this situation before. It used to be you could you could name more names, right? Who used to yeah. be in the situation before? Do you sometimes yeah. look around the locker room and just say, "Oh my God, I'm the OG around here"? Does that ever kind of land on you that way? Yeah, hundred percent. You know, I uh, I go back to when I first got into the league and I told uh, Me Bang that I was born in '90, <laughs> and he looked at me like I was crazy because you know he was born in like '84 or something like that, and yeah. I didn't think that was a big deal until. You know, now some guys are coming in and saying they were born in 97, 98. And I'm just like, dang, I've been around that long, you know, for, for guys to be, you know, born while I'm doing this. So it's it's a, it's definitely an interesting feeling, but it's, it's fun, too, because you get to learn um, kind of a new generation and how they think. So how do they think? What do you think? Um, what do you got for me on that? <laughs> they they definitely think different, you know what I mean? You know, they're, they're into a lot, of, a lot more things that – you know, I don't think I was interested in like, as far as like just everything is centered around social media and everything is centered around um, Twitter, Instagram, those things. I mean, obviously I have them, but, you know, I think there's more to life. And I think that comes with maturity. Yeah, you know, so as those guys get more mature, I feel like 
uh, they'll see, you know, they got to put their phones down and go out there and, and explore the world and talk to some people in, in their face instead of they, uh, behind the phone. Huh. So you don't have a TikTok? Is that what you're saying, Bobby Wagner? There's no Bobby I, I do Wagner? not have a TikTok. <laughs> I do not have a you know, TikTok. You got a clock. You got a clock in your head for trying to clock somebody with fewer steps. That's what we've, that's yeah, what we've just yeah. established right now. TikTok is probably not the one I'll get. Yeah. You know, it's sure. crazy. Trey Lance, you know, of your competition, he's, he was born in 2000. Like, that's crazy. a fact. <laughs> That's crazy. Uh, I think my nephew was born in 2001. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I know. it's crazy. I know. How has the game changed? Has it in 10 years, Bobby? At all? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the way that they – I mean, I think every year, at least from, you know, when I got here, every year they've made the game, in my opinion, harder for the defensive players. Um, as you know, as far as tackling or, you know, how you can strike a your quarterback, how you can strike an offensive player. And so, you know, a lot of those things that, that has changed, um, you know, you had to evolve as a, a defender because some of the things that they used to do back in the day, we can't do um, now. You know, it's a penalty. But I do say that it, it is nice that they changed. You know, one real change was, you know, the – the centers or the linemen um, cutting downfield or on mm-hmm. the outside plays, that definitely helps, um, you know, the defenders. But, you know, I think the game, um, they make it a lot harder to tackle because sometimes, you know, we're, we're moving so fast and to try to, you know, hit a person in the perfect spot uh, is not always easy, but uh, we always adjust. Bobby Wagner here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show prior to Monday Night Football. What do you think of the taunting re-emphasis? What do you think about the emphasis on the taunting rule, Bobby? What do you think about that um, one this year? I mean, I understand uh, why they want to implement it, but I think this game is a, uh emotional game. It's a game played with a lot of passion. And so sometimes, you know, that passion just has to be let out. And so I'm not a huge fan of it. I'm not a huge fan. I understand why they do it, but I'm not a fan of it because – uh, you know, if a guy has a good run or a big hit and he gets up and he flex, you know, sometimes he's not even flexing um, towards a player. He's just flexing because, you know, he made a, a great play. And, you know, everybody sees it as a great play. And to be penalized for that, um, it's not something that I feel is right. But, you know, I think they're trying to work out the kinks and try to figure out, uh, you know, what's excessive and what's not. And hopefully um, they get it, get it situated. So um, when you're, we're talking about change a lot about the game and stuff like that, what needs to change starting Monday night for the Seattle Seahawks, Bobby Wagner? Give me something. What do you got for me? I think we need, to, we need to execute all four quarters. I think that's the biggest thing. I think we show flashes in each of the games where, you know, we show our potential, we show what we're capable of doing, but we just haven't put it together, you know, all four quarters. And so, you know, I think if we do that, and do the stuff that we're capable of doing, but over the, the duration of the entire game, uh, we'll be fine. That's why I'm confident that, uh, you know, we'll get this thing turned around because we show what we're capable of doing when everybody is on at the same time. And so um, it's just about being focused, um, communicating, and executing at a high level for the whole game. Do you give messages to Gino throughout the week at all? I mean, what a tough spot that he's in with Russ out. What are you, yeah, it's definitely a tough spot. You know, you you uh, you know you have conf- uh, you have conversations with him, but at the end of the day, I, I definitely feel like Gino's, you know, handled himself very very well. He's very confident, and you know, I've said this before. Like if, you know, if you came in and watched 
him prepare, you wouldn't think that he wasn't the starting quarterback. He mm-hmm. prepares like he was starting quarterback. So that's why, you know, when he came in after Russ got hurt, uh, he was ready for his opportunity, ready for his moment. So, you know, I think it's just going to take a little bit of time, but I'm, I'm definitely confident that Geno, you know, is going to, uh, you know, ball out this game. And then what is the challenge with the Saints coming off their bye week for you, Bobby? Who, who, I assume you're circling 41 um, in the in the meeting rooms. I mean, wh- what do you what do you have for me on that front? Yeah, you? you're definitely paying attention to 41. I think that that is the beginning of the offense. You know, I think they want to get the ball in his hand, whether it's uh, running the ball, uh, passing the ball. You know, he's a very very special player. So, you know, we definitely have to have eyes for him. Um, you know, Jameis is going to do his thing. You, you see his growth. Um, you know, from he, when he got into the league to that kind of brief period where he wasn't in the league or he was a backup quarterback. You see him making um, better decisions with the ball. And so uh, we just have to be on our job and capitalize on mistakes when they happen. All right. And what do you do in your spare time, Bobby Wagner? What does Bobby Wagner do in spare time? I learn. I learn everything that I can, but uh, I like to – Get involved in business. So whenever I'm not, uh, whenever I'm not uh, playing football, I am either reading something towards business, um, looking at investments, um, okay. being involved in a venture fund out here named Fuse um, in Seattle, okay. and uh, you know figuring out ways to grow this wealth that I've been blessed enough to to get. Okay, so you're you're looking over the steering wheel about what you're going to do whenever you stop doing what you're currently doing. Bobby, yeah, for sure. Saying? I mean, I, I think, um, I, I, you know, I've had a lot of great mentors, um, you know, guide me in the right direction. So I, I've kind of been doing this for a while. I've been doing this since, like, 2013. So um, it's something that I, I, I have a passion for. And, and whenever I decide to walk away from this game, not anytime soon, uh, you know, I think I'll be in good shape. Okay. Guys like Gates? Is that Bill Gates? Is he, is he, is he counseling you? Is that who it is? Who else? Uh, I mean, I haven't, I, I haven't been blessed enough to – to meet uh, Bill Gates, but I, I feel like uh, you know, put, you putting in a good word. I think I would oh, sure. uh, get no. past that door. No, no, know, no, if, man. If, I mean, if, he might if be. If you in, call him, I know I'll get in. I don't, you know, I don't yeah, know. You might be a neighbor of yours. Wait, you got a lot of rich people up there in the in Seattle. You, you might be a neighbor of yours. You know. You know. I mean, hopefully. I mean, I definitely run into him. But I'm saying, if if I get the, you know, the rich approval, then I know it's gonna happen for sure. Okay. Yeah, I know a guy named Bill. Um, okay. and, and there's a gate, you know, near my door in my house. That's about it. But, hey, that's a, that's yeah. a step in the right direction. I like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we're about saving steps. That's what this whole conversation's been exactly. about. Okay. Exactly. All right, Bobby Wagner. Thanks for calling. Have a great Monday night football game. Let's do this down the 2021 line. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Anytime. The one and only Bobby Wagner right here prior to Monday night football between the Saints and the Seahawks. Big game tonight. Big game tonight. Cannot afford to fall to two and five. And if they win, they're three and four, sitting there in front of the 49ers, who they've already beaten. That's one of the four straight losses for the 49ers with Seattle. Maybe they can get back um, Russ sooner rather than later. That's part of the conversation. After this game, they're home for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then there's a bye. So they win this one. You're assuming they beat the Jacksonville Jaguars um, up in the Pacific Northwest, and they're back to 500 thereby, and then they get Russ back, season restored. That's what it's. That's what tonight's about for the Seattle Seahawks. 
dig out, two straight wins by, Russ is back at Green Bay for Week 10, and off you go. With two games against Arizona still to come. The one team that you're trying to chase down. That's the way out. 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Uh, we'll get you set more for Monday Night Football. Demario Davis of the Saints still to come. When we come back, 844-204-RICH. We will take your phone calls here on the Rich Eisen Show. Phone lines are all lit. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH being the number to dial. Uh, let's go to Nick in Vermont. You're here on the Rich Eisen Show. What's up, Nick? Hey, Rich. I'm a big fan of yours, so Thank it's you. awesome to talk to you. Appreciate that. Thanks for saying that. What's on your mind here? Um, so I wanted to go back to the conversation about the fan who gave back uh, Tom Brady's 600th touchdown pass football. Yes. Um, you guys are talking about how the fan um, should have asked for a bunch of money before giving back the football. Well, Chris and TJ say that he should have absolutely extracted uh, as much as he possibly could have with both hands. That's what he thought. <laughs> that's what they think. Yeah, I don't agree, um, but I I just wanted to point out that the fan was sitting in uh, first row end zone seats, <laughs> um, which aren't cheap. I, I hear you, but I mean, their point would be a half million dollars doesn't matter how much you know you spend for your tickets, uh, even if. You know, even if you did spend uh, on a secondary ticket market $500,000, it's still, you know, a significant amount of money that that ball would be worth. And my my point is that you go to the game, you're not expecting that ball to be dropped in your lap, so there's no reason for you to feel like you've lost something, even though it did actually happen to drop in his lap. So are you saying he's he, he might be well off enough to just not, not miss $500,000? Yeah, you know, I'm suggesting that because he was sitting there, maybe he's financially you know, set and just want to make Tom Brady happy. Huh. Good point, Rich. I don't know. Thanks for the call, Nick. And I appreciate what you said about um, calling. Call back again. Please do so. Uh, I, I would proffer to say that uh, the only people in that stadium for whom $500,000 would not be game-changing is the uh, the owners in the suite and the players on the field. <laughs> That's I, – I, I think I'm safe in saying that. I think you're close, yeah. You know, eh, I don't need $500,000. I'm just saying, again, it's not his ball. It's not his ball, and it's not like a game where you're like a baseball game where you're going to go buy the seat figure and you can get the souvenir that you know is going to be deposited into the stands into your possession. That player, that fan, had no idea that a a highly lucrative, rare collectible would be placed into his hands by an unwitting Mike Evans. <laughs> no idea. Yeah, you know what? I'm going to the game. I can absolutely strike it rich with well, some uh, rare collectible. He was in the front row. Please. I mean, I mean, that's what Mike Evans does. He handed out the other footballs. 
601-602, I guess it didn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter as much. Sideline Mike and the ATL. I always like checking in with Sideline Mike. What's up, Sideline Mike? Good afternoon, gentlemen. You ready for the World Series, Sideline Mike? You ready for the World Series? To come Brother, when I call your call screen on Friday, because I didn't call in, I, I just say, look, the Braves had lost five straight series, gentlemen, when they had had a 3-1 lead. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. They had lost five in a row. So at this point, man, it's been 22 years since the Atlanta Braves have gone to the World Series. And look at me, I'm just happy because we're not a Falcon fan. We have an 82. We're not a Cal Pitts fan after 7 and 165. And you know why, Rich? You know why we're not a Cal Pitts fan? You know why? Why? Because it's Florida week. That's why. <laughs> and I'm a Georgia fan. That's why. It's Florida week, baby. And you know what would stick a pin in my balloon would be for us to find a way to lose that game. When I tell you the inaugural winner of the Gorilla Glue, $1,000. Yes, Jordan Davis. Face planting brothers for four quarters come 337. <laughs> Sideline Mike, Mike, Mike also mentioning our, our sponsor for Wednesday. Hey. Thanks for the call. Appreciate it. It's going to be a lit week for our Gorilla Glue uh player he's already been secured he's already been locked down i don't want to say any more about it but to say he did not expect it because as you know that's the that's what we go for we got an nil deal to a college player every wednesday on the show not expecting it coming uh when uh when contacted the player thought he he was being punked (laughs) no way yes he thought it was not for real (laughs) that's even better he almost mf zach calling Like he thought it was like his friend or something? Speaking of Zach, our buddy Zach Rosenfield, uh, publicist to the stars. Amazing. Uh, he's a diehard Oklahoma Sooner fan. He is head over heels in front of Caleb Williams. Uh, oh, yeah. Let me say this. Um, there was a play in the Oklahoma-Kansas game. Was Oklahoma is fighting for their lives at yeah, Kansas, okay, thing. where Caleb Williams took the ball out of the hands of his running back that appeared to be stopped on fourth down, grabbed it out of his hands, and ran it for the first down. And they had to stop the game because it's like, is that legal? Was that like a legal forward pass or lateral? Lateral, right. Because, you know, Williams went up from the line to gain back towards the running back as he's being stopped. And in between the running back and the line to gain, grabs it. From his running back, who was, you know, in the midst of being tackled, was probably thinking, like, I got to hold on to this ball. At one point, a Sooner was trying to prevent another Sooner from taking it from him. And there was a moment in time on planet Earth where officials were reviewing whether it was legal for an offensive player to take the ball from his teammate and rush it for a first down. But because it was all behind the line of scrimmage, off you go. Right. First down, and that essentially wrapped that game up. Unreal. But nothing more bizarre than the first instance nationally played out. I don't know if it had happened before, but it's the first time I've seen it, of the new overtime rules in college football. I told you this the other day. Oof, was, was a few weeks ago saying, oh, by the, I forget which game was going into overtime, was done in two overtimes or what have you. I'm like, look out, because it's coming. The new rules that after two overtimes, um, you, you now have to just go for two-point conversions, like penalty kicks. Just two-point conversions from the three-yard line, keep going. 
And it was the first ever instance of it, Penn State and Illinois. And I proffer to say that when they cooked this up, the they being those in college football meeting rooms, when they're sitting in their meeting room going over their PowerPoints and their slide rules and the analytics of why we're doing this and we're trying to save time or we're trying to X, Y, and Z, we don't want these long overtime games or what have you, games long enough, they did not think that we would see, what was it, three, four, five, six, seven, first five overtimes go without a single two-point conversion being converted. That's what happened. And then in the eighth overtime, they both finally converted to force a ninth (laughs) in which Penn State didn't get it, but Illinois did with their backup quarterback because their initial quarterback on the first missed two-point conversion had his arm broken in the third overtime and then in the ninth overtime. And as I said, as I tweeted out, it looked like me running my 40-yard dash against myself. I actually even tweeted out a gif of a boxer throwing a punch, missing, and actually hitting himself. That's what it looked like, that overtime. So bad, and yet I'm so happy that that awful idea fell flat on its face in such spectacular fashion. Dreadful. Dreadful, dreadful. Hour three coming up.